Timothy chapter 2, verse 1 through 7. It reads, First, I want you to pray for all people. Ask God to help and bless them. Give thanks for them. Pray for kings. Pray for everyone who is in authority. Pray that we can live peaceful and quiet lives. And pray that we will be godly and holy. This is good. And it pleases God our Savior. He wants all people to be saved. And He wants them to come to know the truth. There is only one God. And there is only one way. There is only one go-between for God and human beings. He is the man Christ Jesus. He gave Himself to pay for the sins of all people. We have been told this message at just the right time. I was appointed to be a messenger and an apostle to preach the good news. I am telling the truth. I'm not lying. God appointed me to be a true and a faithful teacher of the Gentiles. This is the word of God for the people of God. There is a story about a young salesman who was disappointed about losing a big sale. As he talked with his sales manager, he said, I guess it just proves you can't lead a horse, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. The manager replied, son, take my advice. Your job is not to make him drink. Your job is to make him thirsty. So it is with evangelism. Our lives should be filled with Christ so that they can create a thirst for the gospel. This morning, the Catholics wanted to paint a picture of what God has placed on our hearts. See, we are to go out and to be fishers of men, of women, of children. Last week, Pastor said it this way. We are to come and see, to experience Christ then guide people to do the same. In the scripture we just read, Paul wrote to Timothy that God wants all people to be saved and wants them to know the truth. There is one God and one mediator between God and man. It's Jesus Christ. He tells Timothy that we were given this message at just the right time and that Paul was appointed by God to be a messenger and preach the good news. Was it only Paul who was given the good news and appointed to preach? Was it just him who was to be a messenger? Well, obviously not, because Jesus trained other disciples when he was alive. So, was it only them who were to go out? Having received this message of hope 2,000 years later, what are we to do with it now? What exactly did Jesus envision for the church so long ago? What did he want us to be or for us to do as a body of believers who he gave his life for on the cross? You see, I know he died for me, and I know my sins are forgiven. I know I'm supposed to love God with all of my heart, my soul, my mind, my every being. And I know I'm supposed to love each and every person around me. But actually living that out, being steadfast and faithful in those things, 
being a true disciple of Christ, I continually fall short. This morning, I would like to refresh our hearts on what exactly is a disciple and explore the example Jesus left for the church. You see, the simplest meaning of a disciple is that he or she is a learner or a follower. Socrates had disciples. John the Baptist had disciples. Gandhi had disciples. But to be a disciple of Jesus involves much more than following a human leader. Just like there is a balance in our bodies, there is a balance in our faiths. If we are not eating a balanced diet, or we're not exercising, well, our bodies may be giving us warning signs to get back on a healthier track before it's too late. Or if we do not get enough sleep the night before, we may find ourselves falling asleep in this morning sermon or wanting a nap at work. See, in the scriptures, Jesus outlines for us many characteristics for his disciples. The first one I'd like to explore is a disciple is faithful to the teachings of Jesus. John 8, 31 through 32 says, Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. We are to abide in his word. Throughout the scriptures, we are encouraged to keep the word of God close to our hearts. In Deuteronomy, God instructed the Israelites that his word should be in their hearts daily. They were to teach their children. They were to, when they were to uh, talk and sit in their houses, when they were to just be walking by the way, when they would lie down, when they would rise up, they were to reflect on the message that God had given them daily and apply it to their hearts. Over and over, the scriptures outline for us a message that we cannot live without the nourishment that is the Word of God. Joshua 1.8 says, Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth, but meditate on it day and night, so you may be careful to do everything that is written in it. Then your ways will be prosperous and successful. Matthew 4.4 says, Jesus answered, Man cannot live on bread alone, but out of every word that comes out of the mouth of God. You see, in order to strengthen our faith and to be Jesus' disciples, we need to daily listen to His Word and apply it in our lives. In our Monday night group, we have each talked about the struggles of doing just that. Taking time from our schedules to have a time with God while we read a devotional and reflect. We've shared our failures and excuses. Well, there's just not enough time in the day. God, can I have 25 hours instead? The Bible can be maybe a bit dry. I did really well my first five days, but then I just kind of forgot about it. Having time with God is extremely important, but disciplining our lives can be very difficult alone. You see, 
holding each other accountable and encouraging each other to keep focused towards the goal is a major function of the church. As disciples in Christ, the Bible says in Proverbs 27:17, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. As we meet one another here at our church, or as we welcome each other in, into our homes, when we are working, when we ourselves are, are laying down or are when, and are waking up, we need to encourage one another in our faith journeys. We need to be able to ask each other the uncomfortable questions like, hey, how is your prayer life going? Have you been reading your Bible? When was the last time you shared your faith? You see, that's what we're here for, to encourage, to uplift. But sometimes those uncomfortable questions are hard to ask because we're afraid of being judged. Or we're afraid of realizing that we've missed the mark completely. Abiding in His Word. Having a relationship with Jesus is something that we are all striving to do. Together we can sharpen each other to reach a deeper understanding of our faith and discipline our lives to love Him with everything that we have. The next characteristic of a disciple is how we love one another. John 13, 34-35 says, I give you a new command. Love one another. You must love one another, just as I have loved you. If you love one another, everyone will know that you are my disciples. The new commandment is to love one another. This is arguably one of the most or more famous statements in the Bible. Even people who are not active in the church know this commandment or one similar to it. But is it new? No, hardly. Loving one another has been a part of the Jewish tradition for centuries and is even seen in other religious traditions as well. Loving those whom we agree with is the easy part. Loving the rest of the folks that we come in contact with is a much harder task. It is part of the human condition to love and to want to be loved. Reality is, it's easier to love those who are more loving to us or who are more lovable to us. It is said that John, in his old age, would remind those around him to love one another. When questioned why he told them so often, he would reply, because it is what our Lord commanded. If it is all you do, then it is enough. For Jesus, love did not mean a sweet, sentimental feeling. It meant action. This new commandment comes as part of a farewell address as he's getting ready to be nailed to the cross. And he does this with a sense of tenderness and mercy. You see, he commands the disciples to love one another, but he also reminds them that they will continue to feel his presence despite the fact that he will not be there with them. They will show their discipleship doing what he commands. 
by loving one another as he loved them. We so very often draw lines about who we will love and who we will cast in the role of the less loving in our lives. This happens in our hearts and minds of both individuals and in the body, in the church. It's a sad thing to know that this can happen in the church. An interesting thing to note in this text is that Jesus is reminding the disciples that they will be known to others by their acts of love. We would do well to listen to this commandment that we are also called to love others as a mark of our own discipleship, as a mark that we are followers of Christ. This act to love others should be like the song says, you know, they will know we are Christians by our love. It is something that was an integral part of who they were back then and should be who we are now as Christians. Today, some would say that one of the weaknesses of the church is that many Christians do not embody this commandment, that we do not love one another the way we're supposed to. That people have been burned by the church when they come and walk into our buildings or they come and try and be a part of this or that. It is a sad day when we as a body are not welcoming or accepting or loving or extending grace tending to the needs of the people that come into our doors or are part of the community right outside our doors. Today, I pray that we can each take a step to change who we love and how we love. Let us not love with just words, but with actions. As Jesus came and showed love to all people, prostitutes, tax collectors, the lepers, the doctors, the fishermen, those with a home and those without. He showed us that we need to feed, we need to clothe, we need to wash, we need to serve. People will see Christ and know we are Christians by our love. The last characteristic of a disciple I want to talk about is producing fruit. Not bananas or, you know, having a grapevine or, um, you know, some exotic mangoes or anything like that. But spiritual reproduction. John 15.8 says that when you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. The purpose of the church is to make learning believers. Men and women whose lives reflect a deep commitment to and, and love for the Lord, love for His Word, and love for His people. Discipleship is about being led by someone. It's, it's about following a flesh and blood person who looks more like Jesus than I do. It's about learning to do something I don't know how to do yet and submitting myself to someone else's leadership. Eventually then, 
It is about learning to lead, calling others to follow you as you follow Christ. We can be disciples and make disciples if we acknowledge this reality and embrace it. Imitating the lives of those we are following and calling those we lead to imitate our lives. One of the main failings of the church today is that we do not follow the process Jesus laid out for us in his work with the 12 disciples. Each and every one of us, no matter our age or no matter our knowledge of the scriptures, we should be one, be learning from someone who looks more like Jesus than we do. And two, eventually learning to lead and call others to follow you as you follow Christ. The problem today is that what church calls discipleship is we want a four-week course where we sometimes read the book assigned, maybe we miss a couple of classes, and we, of course we do not want to be called upon to discuss any questions dealing with our own personal lives, our own personal walk. See, discipleship is a journey. It takes years. It's a commitment of accountability to learn and to grow in our faith. It's an investment of time, of our money, and of sharing of each other's lives. The skid and the booklet demonstrated for you this morning is just one of the tools that Catalyst is learning. The hope is that as we pray for individuals in our workplace or amongst our family or our friends who don't know Christ, we pray that God will give us an opportunity to demonstrate His love in our actions and share our experience of God with them. Then we can open an invitation for them to learn and grow in their faith from us as we have learned and are learning from others. So to recap this morning, a disciple of Christ is one who abides in God's Word, who loves people through their actions and produces fruit Someone who makes disciples. If discipleship is not part of your life right now, I urge you to look at the life of Christ. He demonstrated for us what we need to be doing as a church. The goal of this movement is not to fill warm bodies in a pew or simply have a better church. It's to catalyze a movement of discipleship and mission that actually changes the world. That was the message of the anthem this morning. With my Britney Spears moves. You only need a spark to start a whole blaze. It only takes a little faith. Let it start right here in this city. So these old walls will never be the same. Start a fire in my soul. Fan the flame and make it grow. So there's no doubt or denying. Let it burn so brightly so everyone around can see that it's you, that it's you that we need. Start a fire in me. I leave you with one last scripture. Acts 1.8. It says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Then you will tell people about me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, and even tell other people about me from this end of the earth to the other end. Is this the vision 
that Jesus has put into your life. You will tell people about me from this end of the earth to this end. So many times we limit ourselves in what we are supposed to be doing. But what God has called us to do is clear. It is to go out. It is to start a fire within our church, within our city. And make it grow to our nation, to other nations around us. It's to change the world through His hope and His grace. Amen.